Alright, today we're going to talk about the church. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you're here with us, you're guided in us in all truth so that we can understand exactly what you have for us and that we will receive it and be doers of it. So one cannot understand the power that is in an agreement unless we understand the covenant. So how is the church operating then is through the covenant. So what is a covenant? It's an agreement between us and God. All the words in that Bible are covenant. In the covenant, you give to God, God gives to you. So what is God's need? We do it. What is our need? He does it. So if we can understand that covenant, then we can understand the power that's in the covenant. Because the biblical covenant we know is written, a written agreement between God and his people. When Jesus went up into heaven, him and the Father made the blood covenant, which is uh, ten times or a million times better than the old covenant. So the Father initiates the agreement, and we either accept or reject its terms. Of course, when we give our life to him, we accept it. Somebody that doesn't give their life to him rejects it. So the key factor of operating in and through a covenant relationship is obedience. In other words, we don't even think about sinning. All we think about is him because what did I say in the covenant? You meet his needs so your whole thought is him. He meets your need. His only thought is us. So obedience is an act or a practice of following instructions, complying with rules and regulations, and submitting to someone's authority. All right, so remember I said the covenant is the Bible. So what does the Bible do? It instructs us. But these rules and regulations... God calls them a law, just like gravity is a law, and it does the same thing every time. In God's covenant, whatever it says, if it says the devil is going to flee, it's going to happen every time if you are walking in the authority that God has given you. So if we agree and follow the law or the rules of the agreement, then the blessings will flow. Now, a blessing means you're empowered to prosper. So if you're going out on the street as an evangelist, he's giving you all the blessings, all the power in that area to get it done. So whatever your calling is, the blessing, in a way, is that power. So when we are disobedient then consequences will be present. In other words, your flesh steps out and does 
I don't want to do that kind of attitude. Well, if you don't take authority over that flesh right away, then we know what the consequences are going to be. So does the Father's desire that we choose to be in agreement with his word so that his will will be established in and through each of us and the earth. So what is the Father's desire is that his will be established. And if, if that's his will, isn't that what we do? That's his need. So that's why it says we'll establish through each of us because our goal is to meet his need on the earth. He already meets the need in, the, in heaven, but we are down here on earth. So in the realm of the spirit, we see a agreement is necessary between an understanding doctrine, prophecy, abundant life, and keeping our words, the endure of the word, and pray for our Christian brothers. So this is what God is asking us to do in that agreement. Understand doctrine. We're not talking about earthly doctrine. We're talking about God's way of doing things. Prophecy, again, that comes from God through us. Abundant life, that came through Jesus, right? Now we have that abundant life. So if we keep our words by being a doer of the word and pray for our Christian brothers. So we're a doer then. Whatever the word says we do, not because we have to, but because we want to. We love the Father. So why is being in an agreement so important? Amos 3.3 says, Can two walk together except that they agree? And that's what we do. Remember, the covenant is the written words in the Bible. So we agree and operate in all of those. The Father agrees and operates in all of those. So in a way, the covenant is for God and the church. So what are we fixing upon? Words of the covenant agreement. That is our whole goal. Keep our eyes on that word. Because the word is his will. That's what he wants us to do. So the word agreement means common consent to be of the same mind or the same opinion. In other words, if we're both walking in that covenant, we think alike, we talk alike, we walk alike, we do everything alike. But if we don't obey the covenant, of course we're not going to get everything that's in it. So in a covenantal agreement or an arrangement, either written or verbal, it is the state of having accepted the same terms with the same opinion or having made the same decision as someone else. Now, when we get born again, we're automatically in it. But if you're making an agreement with a fellow man, 
now you, they, you have all these agreements written out, and each party has to make sure that they can fulfill that agreement. And once they accept that, now they're going to have the same opinion and they're going to have the same de decision because they had, they agreed to it before they shed blood. But for us, it was the father and his son that walked through that blood. So when we are in agreement with someone, we will be merged, combined, fused together with them in harmony, in union, one accord in thought, word and deed. In other words, there is not one thing that we don't think the Father. Because remember, he's the one that wrote the book. In fact, he is the covenant, isn't he? So, now faith is the substance of belief, devotion, and trust that we use to operate in the spiritual realm and as the foundation of the power of agreement. So faith is the substance. In other words, what are we hoping for? What are we saying to the mountain? is really what it's saying. That if we say it in faith through the spiritual realm, then we have that power of agreement and it's done. So we cannot agree with someone if we do not believe in and trust them. Well, we do trust God. We're his sons and daughters. So we are in that agreement. So the measure of faith given to us by the Father and increased by our study of the Word causes us to accept biblical truths without question. If we see it, we know that God is going to back it up and we're going to believe, or do it. But now it says here, study the Word. That's what gives us that biblical truth. So we must agree with the word because Jesus is the word. John 1, 1. The word made flesh. Well, I guess that's verse 14. But So the word is alive and powerful. It has the ability to create and produce when mixed with faith and released by speaking. Or say to the mountain. If you don't say, that mountain is not moving. But what do we say? The Word. Because the Word is alive and powerful. It goes out and does what it says it's going to do. But we have to say it. So it's a matter not what we think or what we believe or what we have been taught we must not walk in our own understanding and opinions because the natural mind is folly to God. So it's not what we think or believe or taught of the world, but it is taught of the Holy Spirit Then we do think, we do believe. So remember, if God says it, it is so. 
That's, isn't that what the word amen means? So be it. So whether we believe it or not, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So what is our reward? What we just learned by studying the word. We say it, we get it, that's our reward. So, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word. So by studying the Word is where we get to faith. So diligently seeking God is to know and understand Him in His covenant agreement. We get to understand who He is. In other words, we have to fellowship with Him, spend time with Him. Or when you're in the Word, you're spending time with Him. Then we must be willingly agree with the terms and carry them out. And of course, like I said, we're in a covenant the minute we're born again, so we do agree and we do carry them out. So many times we forget about the reward part of this scripture. Rewards are not given or released to someone who is not in agreement or in one accord with the terms. In other words, if the flesh is ruling, it won't get anything. So we are not talking about natural physical rewards, however they are included. In other words, for some reason or other, you need something in the world. If we do it according to God's word, we can also get that. So the rewards of the kingdom are peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, and all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. That's a reward if we do what? Believe that he is and that we diligently seek him. So does all ours if we believe and agree. It's all ours. What all? Everything that's in that book is ours. So the greatest example of an agreement is found in 1 John 5, 6 through 8, where it says, This is he who came by or with water and the blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And it is the Holy Spirit who bears witness because the Holy Spirit is the truth. So there are three witnesses in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these are one. How can they be one? They're one in agreement. And there are three witnesses on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as unison, and their testimony coincides, meaning they're one. So the testimony of God is greater, of stronger authority, for this is the testimony of God, even the witness which he bore regarding his son. So we got everybody agreeing 
that the covenant is one. We're all one. And now it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and the body of Christ. So now we know that the law of the Old Testament demanded two or three witnesses, and we find this in Deuteronomy 19.15. It says, One witness shall not prevail against a man for any crime or any wrong in connection with any sin he commits. Only the testimony of two or three witnesses shall a charge be established. That's the old. But now in the new Testament, we see the Pharisees confronting Jesus in John eight thirteen through 19, where it says, Upon the Pharisees said, You are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid and is worthless. Well, Jesus answered and said, Even if I do testify on my own behalf, my testimony is true and reliable and valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. So they were using the Old Testament witness thing, and he wasn't obeying it because he, he was bringing in the new spiritual realm that they didn't understand. So it goes on to say, you set yourselves up to judge according to the flesh by what you see. You condemn by external human standards. I do not. I set myself up to to judge or condemn or sentence. He does not condemn, judge, or sentence anyone. In 16 it says, yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, my decision is right, for I am not alone in making it, but there are two of us in the Father who sent me. 17 it says, in your own law it is written that the testimony evidence of two persons is reliable and valid. I am of two bearing Testimony concerning myself and the Father. You see the difference? The Father and Son are one, so you don't need two. So it says, who sent me, he also testifies about me. And in 19 it says, and they said to him, where is the Father of yours? And Jesus answered, you know my Father as little as you know me. So if you knew me, you would know my father also. So what is he talking about? It's the spirit realm, the new covenant, which is so much better than the old. The old was human, flesh, and in the new covenant, it's spirit. And Jesus was explaining the difference between the law and the spirit, but the Pharisees didn't understand because they did not know Jesus. But then he say over here, if you know me, you know the Father. But if Jesus is the Word, we get in the Word, we will know him and the Father. So now, behind the United testimony of the three witnesses, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is God himself. 
God himself. So the word witness can be similar to an agreement because witness means somebody who sees concurrently along with or someone who affirms the authenticity of another or a thing. So in other words, God swore by himself when he made that covenant. There's nobody greater than him. So if we stay within his agreement or his covenant, we're okay. Because Jesus is saying that I do or I don't do anything on my own, but I am in agreement with the Father in all things. So now as the church, aren't we in agreement in all things? We think alike, we talk alike, we act alike. So as I said before, faith is the foundation of the agreement. And there are many testimonies in the word about faith and its actions. We could look at Abraham, Moses, David, the centurion, Jairus, Mary and Martha, Peter and Paul. All of those were in agreement. And they all believed and agreed. And now we as a church believe and agree. So you really can't say you believe unless you agree, and they work hand in hand together. Like you go and say, I pray for you, and instead of praying right there, you you walk away, and you, you don't even, you forget about it by the time you get home, and you don't even pray. We have to be in agreement with that word, and we got to take that and give it unto others. That's what God wants. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So let's look at Pentecost in Acts chapter 1. The disciples and others were to wait for the Holy Spirit. And in verse 4 it says, they all 14, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with all the brethren. So there was 120 of them that were in one accord, and that's when the Holy Spirit came. They believed everything the same, unanimously in complete agreement with one mind. So the apostles felt deep grief at the loss of their master, and their doubts led them, as all afflictions ought to lead them, to the throne of grace. But when they were in that upper room, what were they doing? They were kind of in grief, in fear. But now they got together, they came all into one agreement. The fear is gone, and the Holy Spirit came. So their agreement signifies the entire harmony of their views, and there was no divided interest and purposes of their own. So when that happened, that's when the, the Holy Spirit came down and they started speaking in other tongues. That was the start of the church. So in Psalms 133, it says, How good and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity and is like the precious ointment 
upon their head that they ran down upon Aaron's beard and that they went to the skirts of their garment. In other words, that oil rolled down onto their clothes. And as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life evermore. So, they were really in one accord in the Old Covenant because they had a covenant. It wasn't the same covenant we had. Their covenant had blessings like ours, but they also had death in it, curses. Our covenant has no curses. It's all blessing, All everything is free. Just believe. So unity here is together way or another way that they were in agreement. In other words, they had to that same thing in the old, they had to be unified. Unity is harmony, singleness, or the condition of being one, and it is so powerful that in verse three the Lord commanded the blessing. So they had the blessing in the Old Covenant, but they didn't have the authority. We have the authority. So they had to go to God to fight their battles because we have the authority and all the weapons in the Word. We do the fighting. So we must understand that strife and division are instruments of the evil one. He comes to divide us by using lies and deception that causes us to question and doubt in our minds. That's how the devil works. If he can get us to even one inch of a doubt, he's got us. So in 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's where we are today. The church is in one accord. We're all thinking about what do you want, Father? So the council in heaven between God, Head, and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were in agreement from the beginning in all matters of creation. In other words, they had a covenant in heaven called the everlasting covenant. So there was a covenant in heaven before he created the earth. So these Two covenants, the old and the new, came out of that everlasting covenant. So the creation of man was created to be in agreement with the word and the will of the Father. That's why we were created, to be one with him. So man must agree with the word to enter the kingdom so that the plan that the Father has for us will be established on earth. So without us, because we're 
his church, we're the feet, we're the ones that do the work, but we do it in his name and with his weapons. So God created man and gave us life. He loves us, teaches us, guides us, protects us, and provides for us. This is the new covenant. So if we think that we can eliminate the laws of God and become self-sufficient, we find ourselves outside the covenant of God. There is no I in the covenant. It's we. We are one. So in a world subject to the power of the enemy with no authority to resist him. In other words, our flesh cannot resist Satan. But we can. Because we are in God's covenant. Satan will eventually rob, steal, and destroy our life if we allow our flesh to operate. It is the Father's will that everything created be subject to someone, and he's the someone. So this is the fundamental nature of a relationship, being one with the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Relationship is a significant connection of friendship. We can have friends on this earth, but we need that friendship and that relationship with the Father. We are not an island under ourselves. That's what our flesh thinks. We are not and never will be able to function alone or by ourselves. We were created to be in union and harmony and dependent on one another. That is the church today, the body of Christ. And the church is not a building. It's individuals that believe and act with God. So the important key to remember in life is that everything we are and have has been given to us by the Father. Remember the day we say, be Lord of our life, we... He gives us everything that we need. It's right inside us. The whole kingdom of God is in us. The Holy Spirit is living in us. We do not own ourselves or cannot function in life by ourselves according to our wisdom. We are spiritually and physically created by God. Spiritually and physically But if we work, we are born again. We are now living in the spirit realm. So we do not come into the world alone. We will not leave the earth alone. In other words, we came from heaven. We're going back up to heaven. 1 Corinthians 6.18 But the person who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. The minute we're born again, we're one with him. 19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God? You are not your own. 
spirit, soul, and body is what he wants without blame. So if we, as a spirit, can teach the soul, that soul will teach the body, and we will become one. So in verse 20, you were bought with a price paid for. So then honor God and bring glory to him in your body. Honor God and bring glory. That is what we're doing here on this earth. So this united relationship continues in every aspect of our lives and we are to become one with our mates in marriage and have the same mind, faith, desires, and purpose. Isn't that what a marriage is? And that's the same thing we have with God. Because in a marriage, if you don't have the same mind or desires or purpose, what's going to happen to that marriage? So how can we walk together unless we agree? That's what we have, the main theme of this message. Walk together with God and walk together with the fellow members of the body of Christ. So we establish relationship with family, friends, and in our jobs, and we are to love and give to one another. Even if your some members of your family or your friends or people at job aren't born again, he says that we're supposed to witness to them, to tell them who he is. So the word helps us to work together with each other by giving us some guidelines and handling relationships. The word lays it all out, what we're supposed to do, say so in Matthew 18:15 it says if your brother wrongs you go and show him his fault between you and him privately if he listens to you you have won him back as a brother That's the first thing we're supposed to do in verse 16 it says but if he does not listen take along with you one or two others so that Every word may be confirmed and upheld by the testimony of two or three witnesses. What we do today is we go and find two people that agree with us. (laughs) That ain't what that's saying. It says you take two or three Christian brothers and then you talk to them. In 17 it says if he pays no attention to them... Refusing to listen and obey, tell it to the church, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a pagan. In other words, you got two or three Christian witnesses, you got the church as a witness, and if he's still not going to listen, it says, Truly I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. What is that saying? What you uh, 
say it is already in heaven. Right? Remember that everlasting covenant? And what is not in that everlasting covenant or even our blood covenant, you don't. Really what that's saying is what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loose in heaven. That's what it's saying. So again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything you may ask, it will be come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. So why are you going to this person? Do you want them to understand and become born again? So you use the binding and loosing to help them become one with God. Verse 20 says, Whenever two or three are gathered by name, there I am in the midst. So if you got the body of Christ, it says one to put a thousand to flight, two ten thousand, three a hundred thousand. So the more people you have, the more power you have. So Jesus is speaking and he was talking about dealing with a sinning brother. So there are three steps specified here. We are to deal with them first in private, then with witnesses, and then before the church. So when the church is acting upon the lordship of Jesus and administering discipline, heaven sanctions the action. In other words, the church is telling that person, In other words, whatever he's doing, it's not allowed in the church. So prayer gives us guidance and guards against a vindictive spirit. So now what happens if you if that person won't change and you allow him in a church, he can divide your church. He can go to other members and say, Oh, the pastor's not teaching the truth or whatever, that's how church splits become so when others come together for such discernment and wisdom Jesus will be present to give direction because he is the head of the church we always do what he says he's the head we're the body and we always follow the head so in Mark 6, 7, it says, give us another illustration of agreement and working in the ministry. And he is called a 12 and begin to send them out two by two. So why do we think he sent them out two by two? He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in the midst of him. That's because there is power in agreement. And each of them would support and encourage one another and be useful in assisting them in the ministry work amid the opposition. They would meet mutual counsel and aid would greatly lighten their burdens and alleviate their calamities. In other words, Say you're going out on the street to witness. Why one is praying for the person 
The rest of them are speaking in tongues. And that person now who is praying gets a discernment what that person needs. And that person then receives what he needs. So we also know that each of us have received revelations of the word in different areas and can have more understanding and faith. In other words, if there's two of you, say one has a relation in this uh, revelation in this area and the other person has a revelation in another area, you can work together. So your faith can be added to their faith and work together to get through more difficult situations. So we have a different anointing and operate in different gifts which can help and assist one another. That's what I was just saying before. So the most the important we are in agreement and doctrine and then we be a proper and a sufficient witness whereby the word will be established. Say one is an evangelist, one is a prophet. You can work together to meet the need of that person that you're witnessing to. So we know that the word says in Second Christians 13.1, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So this verse is talking about authority when two or three people agree with the written word and the testimony of witnesses, his word is established. In other words, we're talking about the church here, working together because everyone has a different calling, but they can work together. Why? Because they're one in the covenant. So there is no room to question or doubt the word. We must be in complete agreement. This institutes the power of it. In other words, if you agree with God and the word and each other, the power will flow. Because there is more power in a testimony of two or three witnesses. So when more then one person ministers together. One can always be looking, listening, and praying while the other is speaking and sharing the word of counsel. In other words, we're all got different things we're going to do. So it gives us advantage over the evil one who will always try to interfere. Always. So I have been with this work many times in my life and work in my ministry because we were just talking about when you're out on the street you see everything everything are you ready for it so when the word of God is spoken or shared and there is someone else present to agree with the word it makes a bigger impact on the hearer we have to think alike talk alike act alike why? Because the personal testimonies can also be shared and encouraged with the hearers. In other words, 
if God leads you to give a testimony about what happened to you, then you give it. Because remember, we're discerning. What does a person need? Sometimes a testimony will be uh, helping them more than what we're saying. So we learn the study in the Bible that there is not one scripture that stands alone. There are always two or three other verses that say the same or similar thing. That's where two or three witnesses, even in the Word. So this way the Word confirms itself, and we are not able to take the written Word out of context because it repeated or verifies in other places. Here are some of the things to remember about the agreement. Today we are talking that an agreement is present in every aspect of life. The Father has established a relationship and fellowship with us as children. And we must understand the covenant and be willing to accept the terms of the covenant so that the Father's will will be accomplished in and through us. Remember, we're supposed to be made in his need. So the foundation of Christianity is faith, and faith believing in an eternal God who is willing to become one with us by leading and guiding us through the Holy Spirit. Remember, that's what we have to let the Holy Spirit guide us in everything we do or say. So by agreeing with the foundation of Christianity, the blood covenant to gospel, and the basic doctrine of the Word of God, we can work together as laborers in His kingdom. And in verse 12 of Corinthians 1, it says, is taken about the gifts of the Spirit given to each one individually for service to one another. In other words, that's where it's talking about the gifts, the nine gifts. For just as the body is united and yet has many parts and all the parts through many form one body, so it is with Christ. So verse 27, now you are Christ's body and individually you are members of it and each part severally and distinct, each with your own function. So sometimes we see somebody doing something, which is their call, and we think, what are they doing that for? Well, it's not us to question. Artists to do as our own. So Jesus is the head of the church, and we are the body, and we are to make him the Lord of our life and follow him being in agreement with who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, who we are, and we what we are to do. These are the things we do whenever we go out 
So there is no room or flesh to operate in selfishness and self-centeredness and in the kingdom because God is love and we have a relationship with the Father, then we are always loving and giving. So how shall the kingdom come? We must agree with the covenant that the Creator presents to us. That is our first goal. Receive its terms and become one with each other. That's our another goal, isn't it? So agreement equals power. And that's what God wants us to agree with Him, agree with each other in the body of Christ. And right now, we are going to come into agreement and we're going to take communion. We wait till Brian comes back. You can shut that down, yeah, if you want. <laughs>